The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Psalm 79, a psalm of Asaph. O God, the nations have come into your inheritance, your holy temple. They have defiled. They have laid Jerusalem in heaps, the dead bodies of your servants. They have given as food for the birds of the heavens, the flesh of your saints to the beasts of the earth. Their blood they have shed like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to those who are around us. How long, Lord? Will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. Oh, do not remember former iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us, for we have been brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and provide atonement for our sins. For your name's sake, why should the nation say, where is their God? Let it be known among the nations in our sight, the avenging of the blood of your servants, which has been shed. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you according to the greatness of your power. Preserve those who are appointed to die and return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom. Their reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord, so we, your people and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. All right, we are in Joshua 19. This is the last sermon of Joshua 19, and this is uh, entitled The Inheritance of Dan and That of Joshua. Starting in verse 40, the seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families. And the territory of their inheritance was Zorah, Eshtaol, Urshemesh, Sha'al, Labin, Aijalon, Jetah, Elon, Timnah, Ekron, Elteke, Gibbethon, Baalat, Jehud, Bene Barak, Gathramon, Mejarkon, and Rakon, with the region near Joppa. And the border of the children of Dan went beyond these, because the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it. And they struck it with the edge of the sword, took possession of it, and dwelt in it. They called Leshem Dan, after the name of Dan their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families, these cities with their villages. Verse 49, when they had made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua the son of Nun. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for, Timnath-serah, in the mountains of Ephraim. And he built the city and dwelt in it. These were the inheritances which Eliezer the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided as an inheritance by lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So they made an end of dividing the country. Today's passage details the final land allotment granted to the tribes of Israel. 
Along with this grant is a final note about a land grant given to Joshua. As you will see, this is not unlike what is occurring with the inheritance of Jesus. The inheritances of those east of the Jordan signify those Jews who believed in the coming Messiah before Jesus came while the law was still in effect. We have seen tribal allotments that have detailed the life and work of Christ and its effects as realized in those he has saved. We have seen how the Gentiles are included in this as detailed in the giving of Caleb's inheritance. Those who are west of the Jordan reflect the salvation of national Israel at some future point, including Jesus' rightful inheritance of that fact represented in the passage from Joshua 17, 14 through 18. Through each step, the borders, the cities, and the other details have been presented, and they have shown us typological representations of what Christ did, how he did it, and what it all means for us. Our faith should be strengthened as we consider it all. What he has done for us in the securing of our inheritance will be realized someday. We can have confidence in this. But if you think about it, because it is future, even though it is accomplished in God's eyes, Jesus really hasn't yet received his inheritance. That won't happen until the plan of redemption is finished. Our text verse comes from Hebrews 1. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The author of Hebrews goes on to say what that more excellent name is, the Son of God. His inheritance is an acknowledgement of that. But unless all people know that it is God in Christ who has obtained this name, the inheritance is not really fully realized. He has earned the right to eternal life through his sinless perfection. He has earned the right to the throne of David through his victory. He has secured a people for himself from both Jews and Gentiles. And someday that will be realized when we stand before him. But there are those in the world who deny him or who never knew him. For God to receive the full measure of glory through the bestowal of the inheritance, it necessarily means that all humanity must know what God in Christ has done. This is the purpose of the final judgment at the great white throne noted in Revelation 20, verse 11. This is also hinted at in Isaiah 45, verse 23, in Romans 14:11, and in Philippians 2:10. Every knee shall bow before the Lord Jehovah by bowing before the Lord Jesus. This will be the moment when the inheritance is finally and fully realized. We Christians will already be living in our final state, enjoying that inheritance that God has prepared for us, and Jesus will be partaking of that as well. However, someday the fullness of what he has inherited will be realized. After the great white throne will come the new heaven and the new earth. Everything that Jesus is due to inherit will be realized because he is the Son of God. 
how wonderful it is that believers will share in this inheritance. God in Christ has perfected all things and poured out his grace upon those who will simply come to him by faith. What a marvelous story of love and redemption. It's all to be found in his superior word. And so let us turn to that precious word once again, and may God speak to us through his word today, and may his glorious name ever be praised. I've got a couple of thoughts for you today. I believe it's three. The first is the seventh lot. It's verses 40 through 48. The narrative will now complete the record of the seven tribal land inheritances which are being assigned according to the lot. The first was to Benjamin. After him was Simeon, then Zebulun, Issachar, Asher, and Naphtali. The seventh and final lot is now designated and detailed for the tribe of Dan. Verse 40, the seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families. Unlike the other tribes, the wording is reversed from the usual manner in which the lots are presented. Unfortunately, almost every single translation ignores this when it should be highlighted. To tribe, sons Dan, to their families went out the lot, the seventh. The reason may be as simple as it being the last lot to be cast. Hence, instead of saying the seventh lot came out, according to their families, it says, to their families, the seventh lot went out. Therefore, it is a way of closing out the lots by stating the number last. Being the seventh lot, it is the number of spiritual perfection. Without this final lot, there would only be imperfection. But with the inclusion of Dan, it brings the matter of inheritances to their rightful state before the Lord. As for Dan, he was Jacob's fifth son and the first son of Rachel's maidservant, Bilhah. The lot drawn for him comes after Naphtali, despite him being born earlier to Bilhah. As has already been seen, the sons of the maidservants are detailed after those of Jacob's wives, Leah and Rachel. But why these two are out of birth order is not stated. Bollinger defines the number five saying, five is four plus one. We have had hitherto the three persons of the Godhead and their manifestation in creation. Now we have a further revelation of a people called out from mankind, redeemed and saved, to walk with God from earth to heaven. Hence, redemption follows creation, inasmuch as in consequence of the fall of man, creation came under the curse and was made subject to vanity. Therefore, man and creation must be redeemed. Thus we have one, father, two, son, three, spirit, four, creation, five, redemption. These are the five great mysteries, and five is therefore the number of grace. The record of Dan's birth is found in Genesis 30. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid as wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. In her exclamation, Rachel makes a wordplay on the verb din, meaning to judge. Therefore, the name Dan means judge or judging. 
On the march from Sinai to Canaan, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali were stationed north of the tabernacle under the standard of Dan. In the order of marching, this was the final standard to break, camp, and move. As the leader of this group, they had the honor of taking up the rear guard. Dan was also the second most numerous tribe behind Judah in both of the censuses. As for the parcel allotted to Dan, Kyle gives a description for us. He says, this fell to the west of Benjamin between Judah and Ephraim and was formed by Judah, giving up some of its northern towns and Ephraim some of its southern towns to the Danites, so as to furnish them with a territory proportionate to their number. It was situated for the most part in the lowland, meaning the Shephelah, including, however, the hill country between the Mediterranean and the mountains, and extended over a portion of the plain of Sharon, so that it belonged to one of the most fruitful portions of Palestine. With this general description understood, the verses continue. Verse 41, and the territory of their inheritance was Zorah, Ishtaol, Ur Shemesh. Literally, Zorah, Ve Ishtaol, Ve Ur Shemesh. Zorah and Ishtaol and Ur Shemesh. The boundaries of the parcel are not given because they were easily identified from the positioning of Dan in relation to the three adjoining tribes. Thus, only the cities are named. The borders adjoined the three most powerful tribes, Judah on the south and Ephraim and Benjamin, together covering the north and east. The Mediterranean Sea was to be the western border. They also were bordered by the location where the unconquered Philistines remained throughout Israel's history. Zorah comes from either Tzirah, a collective word meaning hornets, or Tsarat, leprosy. Thus, it literally means either hornets or leprosy. However, both are a type of affliction because the hornet is metaphorically used as an instrument of war, driving out the enemies. For example, this was seen in Exodus 23. I will send my fear before you, and I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you, and I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. Therefore, this location may metaphorically be named afflictions or afflictors. Zorah was found to be within Judah's inheritance in Joshua 15.33. The same is true with the next city, Eshtaol, which is listed along with Zorah in the same verse. Eshtaol is listed by Strong's under the root Sha'al, to ask for or to inquire. Thus, he defines it as entreaty. However, without explanation, he also defines it as to found and thus establish. Zorah and Eshtaol will become famous as the general location from which Samson will come, from Judges 13. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahanedan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Ur Shemesh comes from Ur, meaning city, and Shemesh, the sun. Thus it is city of the sun. Verse 42, Sha'alabin, Aijalon, Jetla. Each name is prefixed by and in the Hebrew. Aijalon is noted as a Levitical city in Joshua 21. The roots of Sha'alabin are Shu'al, meaning a fox, and the word bin, meaning to discern. Shu'al comes from Sho'al the hollow of the hand, or a handful, because the fox is a burrowing animal. Abarim defines it as sly fox, or understanding by ferreting. 
However, it is certainly the same location known in Judges 1 and 1 Kings 4 as Sha'albim. Thus, most commentators call it foxes or place of foxes. Despite that, the spelling is purposeful here and seems to indicate more than just a plural form of fox. Ijalon comes from ayal, or deer. It means place of the deer. However, that comes from the same as ayil, meaning a ram, which is derived from a word indicating strength. Thus, as seen in Joshua 10, place of strength is not out of line. Jitla is found only here. It comes from tala, to hang as on a gibbet, rather than on a gallows. Strong's defines it as it will hang. Verse 43, Elon, Timna, Ekron. Each name is prefixed by the word and in the original text. Elon means oak, but that is also derived from ayil, a ram. That is then derived from ul, a word that gives a sense of strength. As such, the idea of an oak, like a ram, is that of strength. Timna, or in Hebrew, it says timnata, means allotted portion. Ekron comes from akar, to pluck up or to uproot, but that is from the same as eker, meaning an offshoot or a descendant. Hence, the name could mean either offshoot or uprooted. These are followed by verse 44, el teke gibeton ba'alat. Again, each word is prefixed by the word and in the original. Both el teke and gibeton are listed as Levitical cities in Joshua 21. El teke is an interesting name. The first portion is from El, God, or small god. The second half may be from a root TQ, not used in the Bible, but which is found in Arabic. It means fear or take heed. Thus, it would mean God is dread or God fearing. However, it may also come from Kol, a feminine word meaning to vomit. As such, it may mean God vomits or God vomits her and so on. Gibbeton is an intensive form of giva, a hill. Thus, it means mound, height, or lofty place. But, as has been seen before, giva is connected in the New Testament to Gabatha, the elevated knoll where Christ was judged before his crucifixion. Baalat is derived from Baal, lord or master. Being feminine, it would signify a lady of the house. For example, the word Baalat is found in 1 Kings 17, where it says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress, Baalat of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Thus it signifies lady or mistress. Next, verse 45, Jehud Benebarak Gat Ramon. Each name, again, is prefixed by and in the Hebrew. Jehud, or Yehud, is found only here. The Hebrew spelling is a shortened form of Yehuda, or the tribe Judah. Thus it means praise, praised, or let him, meaning God, be praised. Bene Barak comes from Ben, son, and Barak, lightning. As Bene is plural, it literally means sons of lightning. But lightning is used to describe the state of something as well such as a gleaming or a glittering sword. Thus, it can also mean sons of brightness. Gat Ramon comes from Gat, winepress, and Ramon, pomegranate. But as has been previously seen quite a few times, the pomegranate symbolizes harvest-ready fruit. And so it can mean further mature mind or harvest-ready. Thus, it can also be interpreted as winepress of the mature mind or winepress of the harvest-ready. 
Gat-Ramon is noted as a Levitical city also in Joshua 21. Verse 46, Mejarkon and Rakon, with the region near Joppa. Ume ha yarkon ve ha rakon im ha gevu mul yafo. And may the jarkon and the rakon with the border against Joppa. Me ha yarkon is found only here. It comes from mayim, meaning waters, and yerakon, mildew, paleness, or lividness. That in turn comes from yerek, the word green. Think of when you're sick, you turn green. Thus, it is literally the green waters. But the idea extends to sickliness, as is seen in Jeremiah 30. Here's what it says. For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do we see every man with his hand on his loins, like a woman in labor, and all faces turned pale? That word, yirakon, alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Thus, it is no stretch to say that this could mean waters of the sickness. Harakon is only seen here as well. It comes from rakak, meaning to spit, or rock, the word thin. Translators define it as thin place, green place, or place at the shore. But it also could be the spitting place, which is actually more likely, way more. The area is said to be against, meaning in front of Japa or Yafo. That comes from Yafa to be fair or beautiful. Hence, it means beauty or beautiful. With that, the words continue with verse 47. And the border of the children of Dan went beyond these. And went out border sons Dan from them. This could mean one of several things. It's actually not an easy series of words to figure out. One could be that there is a limitation based on the named cities not being enough from them to support a tribe. One can think of a bunch of people within the borders of an area. So many are there that they overflow the borders. Or it may mean that Dan was given the land, but it returned to the previous inhabitants, having gone out from the possession of Dan. Or it could mean that because of what is said in the next clause, the borders expanded because of the migration of Dan out of their allotted borders. No matter what, because of this, there was an insufficient amount of land for them. Verse 47 continues, because the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it. The word because would only make sense with the third option given in the previous clause. The Hebrew reads, And went up sons Dan and warred with Leshem and struck her. It just simply says and in the Hebrew. They put because and so that makes a presupposition in your mind which probably should not be there. This is something that doesn't occur actually until Judges chapter 18, where the Danites from Zorah and Eshtaol went to the very north of the land, to Laish, and struck it. This is near the area where the Jordan originates. And because it is so far north, the familiar phrase from Dan to Beersheba, which you see all through the writings, is seen in scripture, signifying from the most northern city to the most southern, and thus it represents the entire land. The name Leshen comes from Leshem, a particular gemstone, possibly the jacinth or amber. 
It is one of 12 stones noted in the breastplate of the high priest. Thus it is precious stone. Next it says, verse 47 continues, and they struck it with the edge of the sword, took possession of it, and dwelt in it. And struck her to mouth sword, and dispossessed her, and dwelt in her. Rather than remaining in their allotted possession way down here and subduing it, the men from Zorah and Neshtile passed through much of the land of Israel to get to Lashem, at which time they took the area and it became their possession. And, verse 47 continues, they called Lashem Dan, after the name of Dan their father. Dan Keshem Dan Avihem, and called to Lashem Dan, according to name Dan their father. If you saw Sergio and Rhoda's most recent video about a week and a half or two weeks ago, they were up in that area, in the area of Dan. Maybe it was two videos ago, just very recently. Henceforth, this area retained this name. Even to this day, it is known as the area of Dan, where the famous Tell Dan Nature Reserve is a popular spot for visitors. That's where they went in that video. The substance of the account is found in these verses from Judges 18. So the five men departed and went to Laish. They saw the people who were there, how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from the Sidonians and they had no ties with anyone. So they took the things Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and went to Laish to a people quiet and secure. And they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon, and they had no ties with anyone. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehov. So they rebuilt the city and dwelt there, and they called the name of the city Dan after the name of Dan their father, who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city was formerly Laish. And so what we have here is a group of people who are unwilling to subdue the land they were granted and instead moved an extended distance from their tribal inheritance so that they could take an area where there were peaceful inhabitants that would be easy to destroy. Reading the entire chapter where this account is recorded, one sees several noticeable character flaws in this group of people. With that, the final verse of the inheritance is provided. Verse 48, this is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families, these cities with their villages. Zot nachalat mate bene dan le mishpotam he'arim ha'ele ve'chatzrehen. This inheritance tribe Dan to their families, their cities, the these, and their villages. With this, the cities of Dan, along with some of its borders, have been defined. What is the Lord telling us with all of these names? I will declare the decree because the battle is won. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Let heaven and earth rejoice and dance, for you are faithful and true. Ask, and I will give the nations as your inheritance. Great is the victory of the Lord Jesus. Great are the mighty things he has done. God in Christ has redeemed us an inheritance through the giving of his son. Our second thought today is Joshua's inheritance. It's verses 49 through 51. Verse 49, when they had made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders. Ve'kalu lincho et ha'aretz ligvu otecha. 
and ended to inheriting the land to her borders. The meaning is that the entire land was divided and each tribe had received its allotted portion. Nothing was left unallocated, even if many areas were not yet subdued. It is only at this time that, verse 49 continues, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua the son of Nun. Vayitnu bene Yisrael nachala lihoshua bin Nun betokam and gave sons Israel inheritance to Joshua, son Nun, in their midst. The words convey the character of the man. He didn't seek out his own interest, but rather ensured every tribe had received its land. And more, his portion was neither taken by him nor demanded. Rather, he asked for it, and it was given to him by the sons of Israel. That is seen in the next verse. Despite being a fearless leader in battle, he was modest and caring towards his people, placing them ahead of himself. Verse 50, according to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city, which he asked for. Upon mouth Jehovah, they gave to him the city, which he asked. Nothing is recorded of this in the books of Moses, but to say that the Lord didn't say it would be an argument from silence. However, it could be that the judgment came through the mediation of Eliezer the priest. Either way, the record says that Joshua asked for this and it was granted by Israel at the word of the Lord. The city he asked for is next named. Verse 50 continues, Timnath Sarah, in the mountains of Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt in it. Timnath Sarah, Behar Ephraim, Vayivne et Hair, Vayashev Ba. Timnath Sarah in Mount Ephraim and built the city and dwelt in her. Of the name Timnath Sarach, Timnath is derived from Timnah, allotted portion, and Sarach comes from the verb Sarach, signifying to go free without bonds. Thus, the name is translated as extra portion, abundant portion, something like that. In Judges 2 verse 9, the first and last letters are actually transposed, calling the place Timnath Cheres, or portion of the sun. This location is said to be in Mount Ephraim. As has been seen in previous sermons, a mountain, a har, is a lot of something gathered together. It is synonymous with a large but centralized group of people. Ephraim means twice fruitful, with a secondary meaning of ashes. As for the city, Timnasarah is not uncommon for scholars to suggest that the city already existed and Joshua simply rebuilt it. But as it is first mentioned here, it is probable that Joshua both built the city and named it as well. With this noted, it next says, verse 51, these were the inheritances which Eliezer the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided as an inheritance. More literally, the words read, these, the inheritance which Eliezer the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers to the tribes of the sons of Israel, caused to inherit. That's Smith's literal translation. This statement is given to show obedience to the command given by the Lord in Numbers 34, 16 through 29, where Eliezer, meaning whom God helps, and Joshua, meaning the Lord is salvation, the son of Nun, meaning increase, were to divide the land along with the leaders of the tribes who were designated by name at that time. Thus, there is noted in these words, faithful obedience to the command. 
This parceling out the inheritance is next said to have been conducted, verse 51, by Lot in Shiloh, before the Lord, at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Begoral beshiloh lifne Yehovah petach ohel moed, in Lot Shiloh, before Yehovah, door, tent meeting. Shiloh means tranquility. This is where the tent of meeting was set up, as is recorded in Joshua 18, verse 1. This is now the ending of the thought that was started by Joshua to those sent to survey the land all the way back in Joshua 18, verse 8, where it said, Then the men arose to go away, and Joshua charged those who went to survey the land, saying, Go, walk through the land and survey it, and come back to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. With this noted, the verse and the chapter end saying, verse 51 finishes with, so they made an end of dividing the country. Vekalu mechalek et haaretz, and ended from dividing the land. The land is divided, even if it is not totally subdued. The inheritances are set and were to remain unaffected by the years, through wars, or through intermarriages. Each contingency for keeping these lands set and unchanged has been addressed, and all of it has been under the careful eye of the Lord who determined that it should be this way, even before he had called Israel out of Egypt. If the lands continued to have the previous occupants dwelling in them, that would be the fault of those inheriting them, not the fault of the Lord who promised that he would be with them and see them through the entire process of wiping out those inhabitants. Likewise, our inheritances in Christ are set. But if we continue living on with those things that should be eradicated by us, the inheritances received, it is our fault, not the Lord's. And despite our failings, the surety of the inheritance remains. The inheritance awaits, so do not lose heart. We are accepted because of Jesus. If we stumble, let us make a new start. Press on because God has forgiven us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us be filled with thanks each step that we trod until that day when comes our heavenly reward. The inheritance awaits, the work is done, not by us, but by Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us worship God through his Son until the day we obtain the heavenly reward. Our third thought today is pictures of Christ. As Dan's lot is the seventh for the land yet to be divided, it brings the inheritance to a state of spiritual perfection. But more, as this process ends with Dan, meaning judge, the fifth son of Jacob, it signifies that the inheritance is completed on a note of grace, the number five. The names look to the state of those in Christ as they await their inheritance and the result of Christ's work for his people, spiritual perfection expressed by the seventh lot. This comes as grace expressed by Dan's position as the fifth son born to Jacob. Zorah, or afflictions, reflects the state of believers waiting to be glorified. Several verses indicate this, such as, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Eshtaol, entreaty, looks to our life while afflicted in Christ. 
we entreat the Lord for relief from them, such as what Paul did, 2 Corinthians 12. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Despite our inheritance being deemed in a state of spiritual perfection, we will still face things that seem contrary to that, like Charlie's dyslexia. And yet, his grace is sufficient to endure through them. Urshemesh, City of the Sun, acknowledges that we anticipate Christ, the Son of Righteousness of Malachi 4. We keep seeing this name again and again in all of these borders because it's such an important thing. And his city with foundations noted in Hebrews 11 verse 10. It awaits us because of what Christ has done to perfect us. Sha'alabin, understanding by ferreting, is the faithful believer's state as he searches out the wisdom of God from the word. It is how we grow in holiness as we await our final glorification and the bema seat judgment that lies ahead. Ijalon, place of strength, is the place where the believer looks until that day, meaning to Christ Jesus. Jetla, or it will hang, speaks of where our sin was hung, as Paul says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is the very act that made us spiritually perfect in God's sight. And it is the place where God's grace was communicated to his people. Elon, or oak, indicating strength, reflects the act that brought us to our state of acceptance before God, meaning the work of Christ Jesus. Romans 5. For when we were still without strength, Elon, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Timnah, allotted portion, speaks of our grant because of the work of Christ. Ekron, offshoot, speaks of the state of believers in Christ. We reflect him before God being offshoots of what he has done to perfect us. El Teke, God-fearing, speaks for itself. Having come to Christ, we have demonstrated that this is our position in him. This is reflected in the next name, Gibbethon, or Mound. It looks to the spot where Christ was judged, Gabata, and in turn, the place where our sin was judged by God in him. Because of that, believers are brought into the church an organic body of believers represented by Baalat, lady, the church being a feminine noun in the Bible. This is seen, for example, in 2 John, where John writes to the church, the elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Jehud, or praise, is an obvious connection to the expression of those in the church toward God because of Christ Jesus. Bene Barak, or sons of brightness, speaks of the radiance of those who are saved by God. Though we don't possess it now, except in God's eyes, it is what our future state will be when we are made like him. Gathramon, winepress of the mature mind, refers to the effects of Christ's work in us. Everything that is contrary to holiness and godliness 
would be pressed out of us. To God, those in Christ are already positionally in this state, even if it has not yet been actualized. And every day I think I wish it was actualized because I hate having this sin in my life. I can't stand it. The great day ahead is the day when it will be actualized. Until then, we must press on as best we can. 1 Corinthians 14, brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes, but in understanding, be mature. As speculation, meyarkon, explained as waters of the sickness, look to what Christ did. By taking on human form, he drank such waters so that from him we could receive the water of life. After that, rakon, the spitting place, is where that was realized. Mark 14, then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Then some began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and to say to him, prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. In the trial where Christ was condemned, leading to his crucifixion, we find life. That is surprisingly realized in the words with the border against Joppa. Joppa means beauty or beautiful. It is what Christ offers because of the horror that he endured. It thus reflects the state of those redeemed by him. With that, verse 47 noted that the border of Dan, judge, went beyond these original borders. This spoke of the expansion of the land of Dan when the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem, precious stone. That speaks of the stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious, which Peter equates to Christ Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2. Leshem was said to be taken with the mouth of the sword, remembering from early Joshua sermons that the word sword is identical to the mountain Horeb, the mount of the law. The meaning is clear. Christ's fulfillment of the law is what allows us to live in our current state, meaning in Christ. It is he who has judged sin in us through his cross fulfilling the law in his death. That is the seventh and final inheritance. Thus it speaks of God's spiritual perfection, seven, residing in us through his grace, five, reflected by Dan, the fifth son of Jacob. With the inheritances secured and noted, the final verses relayed the inheritance of Joshua, the Lord is salvation. The son of noon, meaning increase. He had asked for Timnah Sarah, extra portion. It speaks of the full scope of Christ's work from Isaiah 49, verse 6. Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. The work of Jesus is seen in Joshua, the Lord who is salvation, the son of Nun, increase. It resulted not only in the salvation of Israel, but of the Gentiles, making the effect of it the extra portion. Saying that it was in Mount Ephraim points to the effect of his work, the mountain being synonymous with a large but centralized group of people. It refers to the uniting of all believers, Jews and Gentiles, as one in Christ. Ephraim, twice fruitful and ashes, looks to Jesus. He is twice fruitful in the land of his affliction, prevailing over the law, and thus becoming the savior of Jew and Gentile, as well as the church and national Israel. But 
His work also meant that sin was judged in him, thus the ashes, signifying his afflictions. With that, there was the note concerning the inheritances having been conducted by Eliezer, meaning whom God helps, and Joshua the son of Nun, along with the fathers of the tribes being there to conduct the allotments before the Lord. Everything is seen by these witnesses testifying to the work of Christ on behalf of his people who have been granted their inheritances because of what Jesus has done. From there, the final words of the chapter noted that it was at Shiloh, tranquility, before the Lord at the door of the tent of meeting. The whole thought looks to God in Christ and what he has done. He is the provider of God's peace. He is the Lord who sent Jesus and who approved of his work raising him from the dead. He is the door into the presence of God, and more, he is the decider of the inheritance reflected by the lot. Proverbs 16, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. To sum up this section of Joshua, that of the inheritances, including borders, cities, and so on, it all all of it anticipates the more perfect grant of God in our heavenly inheritance realized through the giving of his son to bring us back to himself. Despite the need to speculate at times on the names of some of the people and places, the overall theme is perfectly clear and easily realized. Everything necessary to reconcile us to God and return us to his presence has been accomplished by Christ Jesus. As our inheritance has been given to us, let us live as if we really believe it. Jesus has secured our inheritance. Let us not fret and fear that it may never come. I assure you, it will. Again, Jesus has secured our inheritance. Let us act out our belief by living holy lives now, awaiting that day when we will be brought before him. God already sees us as perfect before him. So let us live in that reality. This is the beauty of what God has presented in this passage. God has accepted us. Thank God for Jesus Christ who has made that possible. I have so enjoyed these borders and cities and what has been presented in these sermons. When, what was it, about four months ago, Sergio said, I don't know how you're going to get anything out of those borders. And it's been a difficult study, I got to tell you. But when I, what was it, about two months ago, typed Zebulun, I was so excited. I was waiting for that. I'm telling you, some of these passages have been just unbelievable. And guess what? We're not done because we got all of the Levite stuff to go through next. And it's going to be just as exciting. It is marvelous what God has put into this word. Everything points to the work of God in Christ. Everything. Then I got to tell you what, I got this friend, he and I are always talking about different ideologies, different, you know, teachings, and uh, whether it's lordship salvation or whether it's replacement theology, or, but the one thing that people cannot get, they can't get it, and I'm talking about all of us, we cannot get the five-letter word grace. We want to add to this message every step of the way. We want to say, but I need to do this, and I need to do that, and there are teachers in Christianity, famous people that you all probably listen to that actually use the term free grace as a pejorative. They say easy believism is what they use to call it. And I got to tell you what, the Bible says that if you believe that Jesus Christ was crucified for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again, 
The Bible says that that is the gospel and nothing else. Nothing else is added to that. If you believe that, you will be saved. Now, I don't know what you want to call that and what dirty word you want to say about God's grace and call it a pejorative and say that's easy believism and that's nonsense. If you try to add to that, you have put yourself into the equation and we see this again and again and again. We are not a part of the equation except to receive what he has done for us. It's so simple. Take yourself out of the equation, give your life to Christ, and then you can do all of the things that the Bible tells you to. You can repent of this sin and you can repent of that sin. You can't do it before you're saved. It's simply not possible. But once you're saved, then you can live out the life doing your best to please God, doing your best to fellowship with other people, be honorable as people. We all fail, every one of us, but in the end, God has done the work and he will see you through to the end. Why? Because he has covenanted with you. Just as he covenanted with Israel and they turned their back on him for the past 3,500 years, faithfully unfaithful to God, he has kept his covenant with them. We read this morning, just as we were starting, that 14 May 1948, they clicked on a radio receiver and said the state of Israel is reestablished. That's because God was faithful to do what he said he would do in his word. Not because they deserve it. They still reject him entirely. But God is faithful to his unfaithful people and they will be brought into the new covenant. That is a guarantee because it says it in the word of God. If you believe in replacement theology, you can believe whatever you want and you can be as wrong as you want. The church has not replaced Israel. They will come into the covenant and they will be the head of the nations for a thousand years despite being faithfully unfaithful for the past 3,500. Trust in God's word, believe what it says, give your life to Christ. That is what I would ask you today. Our closing verse comes from Colossians 1, it's verses 12 through 14. What wonderful words. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. It's all been displayed in these past sermons. He has delivered us from the power darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood thank god the forgiveness of sins i inserted the thank god i went a little over there that's not written in there but it should be in your own heart written in there thank god for what jesus has done wow next week is joshua 20 it's verses 1 through 9 the implications of the contents of this sermon are huge it's entitled Cities of Refuge. That'll be our 44th Joshua sermon. The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It is he who has defeated the enemy and who now offers his people rest. And so follow him and trust him and he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Okay? Now I've got a question for you and I've got a public gift certificate if you can i don't even know what it is 15 20 bucks whatever if you can get this question this will be yours i got a whole stack of them waiting okay wawa and chick-fil-a all right all right here we go this is not going to be easy today but wow i know but if you are reading your bible every day you may be at this part of the bible right now genesis 4 who is the first person in scripture noted with two wives? Cain. No. Who's a descendant of Cain? One more guess and then you're done. 
Uh, one of Cain's sons. His name, his name is Lamech. Lamech, okay. Can anybody tell me the name of his wives? No. Two wives. I know that. I don't even have it written here. Ada and Zillah. Okay, sorry, nobody got that. We'll, we'll keep giving this out until one of these... That's all right. We're going to get that for you. Listen, this guy gave us all these things. We've got to get rid of them, so... You know, they're, they're, no reasonable questions. Listen, these are going to get moldy eventually. You're going to have to wipe it off. But all right, hang on. Now, before I before I uh, I get into anything else, I don't want to forget this. Susan brought one of these for all of the mothers here. There's 12 of them. If there aren't enough, then uh, blame her. But um, if you're a mother, there's 12 of them back here, and I'll bring them around as you're coming. Just grab one. I don't know what's in there, but that was. Uh, from Susan, because you're all mothers, even if you're not a mother, okay, you are there for people as a woman in Christ, and so 12 of them. Okay, um, mom, you don't need to take one, leave some for the other ladies, because I got that for you over there, okay? Yeah, one of those. The other one is for the other mother. Yeah. Okay, this is entitled The Inheritance of Dan and That of Joshua. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families, as it is known. And the territory of their inheritance was Zorah, Eshtaol, Urshemesh, Sha'alabin, Ajalan, Jetla, Elon, Timna, and Ekron. Elteke, Gibbethon, Ba'alat, Jehud, Bene Barak, Gathramon, Mejarkon, and Rakon with the region near Joppa, quite a bit. And the border of the children of Dan went beyond these because the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it. And they struck it with the edge of the sword, took possession of it, and dwelt in it. It was their reward. They called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan. According to their families, these cities with their villages, it became the land of that clan. When they had made an end of dividing the land, an inheritance according to their borders, when that was done, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua, the son of Nun. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city for which he asked without a fit, Timnasarah in the mountains of Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt in it. These were the inheritances which Eliezer the priest, Joshua the son of Nun also, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided as an inheritance by lot before the Lord in Shiloh. At the door of the tabernacle of meeting is where, so they made an end of dividing the country then and there. Lord God, turn our hearts to be obedient to your word. Give us wisdom to be ever faithful to you. May we carefully heed each thing we have heard. Yes, Lord God, may our hearts be faithful and true. And we shall be content and satisfied in you alone. We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you, to us, your path you have shown. Hallelujah. We shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. Heavenly Father. How good it is to search out your word and to find again and again and again stories of redemption, stories of the future, stories of what's coming in your restoration and exaltation of Israel, of the rapture, of so many things, all mentioned in just borders and cities, but it's all there waiting to be discovered because it's from your wisdom and your mind, which is infinite. Thank you for your wonderful word. Thank you that we can participate in it. Thank you for what the table of the Lord signifies. And may we hold it fast in our heart all the week after taking it, remembering the death of our Lord so that we could be redeemed. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in his name we pray.
Amen.